Just when the Leafs thought they dodged COVID landmine on Wednesday with Austin Matthews testing negative. They get hit hard today. Mitch Marner, Pierre Engvall, both placed in COVID protocol. I'm Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Dylan Brown on tech. And always, well, not always, he's pulled the shoot on us a couple of times. <laughs> Sammy hey. McKee. Hey. Hey, can you hear me? Guys we got, got me? you. We got you. <laughs> yeah, sorry. The, yeah. Anyways, I'm here. Was How that, are you, fellas? Was, was, what a was beautiful a sunny day. On... It's cold out there today, boy. Holy. You don't pull the shoot. You are legit. When you're down and out. The shoot. Come on. You are you know, down and out. If you can show the uh, the rapid test with the double lines, like the pregnancy test, it's a it's not a shoot poll. We'll give you the full pass on that one. <laughs> well, I got it. Do you want, do you want me to? I can I can tweet it out for everybody to see so they know I'm not lying. But yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm pretty much fully recovered. And uh, yeah, so there we go. I wouldn't Sammy, say I'm out of protocols yet, but I'm I'm fully recovered. You you just mentioned quickly the the sun is out. That's a good thing. Maybe the only thing going on right now, but disappointing on so many reasons. But the biggest one is Saturday night, Colorado, Toronto. And for the most part, we thought we were getting two healthy lineups. It's taken the abs a while to get there. Uh, And they're there. And they are waiting for the Toronto Maple Leafs to come in but unfortunately, without one of their best players in Marner and a serviceable pe- player in Pierre Engvall, that JB is a little disappointing. Oh, so disappointing. Uh, you guys have probably tweeted something that went, like, instantly bad. Like, you're like, Jack Campbell's unbeatable. Send tweet. Then he gives up three. <laughs> like, I, we've all done it. I published an article today. I think it, it went live at about 11 or 1 o'clock that said how glad I am. The Leafs are getting a real test, fully healthy. Avs have the whole lineup. Leafs got it. Here's a real test. And, like, nine seconds later, there's the tweet. Like, no Marner or Engvall for the Leafs. God. I mean, I'm still excited about the game, but it does suck that we don't get to see a little best on best here. We've been denied best on best all over the place, Olympics and everything. I, I got to think we're just destined all season long to to be in this place where we'll never see two teams completely healthy. It's just, it's just the script in 2021-22 where maybe it's just – just get us through this one way or another. Just get us through it. Get as many games as you can in. And you hope things calm down and we can really see some great hockey starting in April. But I don't think we'll ever see two teams healthy going against each other. I, I, hopefully in the spring. But it's not on the horizon, yeah. Sammy. Yeah. I Listen, I'm thrilled that the Leafs have this many guys going and the Avalanche seem to have all their guys going. You know, not having Marner sucks, but hey, they still have Matthews and Tavares and Nylander and all the other guys who are playing great going. So I'm happy that this is pretty much as close as it gets these days to two really healthy teams, right? Like you were saying, it's never going to – it's until – 
protocols change or whatever, there's always going to be a, have teams with guys. I mean, look at the numbers of COVID all over North America. There's always going to be guys on teams that are in the protocols. So as long as the protocols are around, I think it's a reality we're going to have to deal with. But yeah, uh, I'm still fired up for this game tomorrow night. And boy, did, I don't know if you guys saw any of the, the Avs and the, the <laughs> uh, Jets last night, but yeah. God, the Avs are a devastating dynamic team that that Makar boys I know we were talking about his goal yesterday but he is he's got to be what second or third best player in the league flat out not even defenseman just player he's unbelievable so I can't wait to see how the Leafs match up against them with a real goalie in net a little later on in the show we got uh, John Mitchell he's a former Leaf and doing a uh, terrific work with uh, Colorado uh, with their radio coverage so we'll we'll get a We'll get a little deeper dive into Colorado as well. Doug McLean, good friend of the show. Uh, he'll be along uh, later on this hour, uh, former NHL or president. I'm sure he's got a ton of thoughts on not only the Leafs, the Oilers, uh, but uh, so many angles to go on this Friday uh, going into the weekend. Um, but not to dismiss uh, you know, your your point entirely here on, on Makar. Uh, JB, he's just a... He's a special player, and when you look at Colorado healthy now, uh, to Sammy's point, man, they look awfully dangerous. And despite not having Marner, it still should be a pretty good test for a team that feels good about themselves for the most part in the Leafs. I guess with the Leafs, I just get uh, bummed that it's Marner because we know how reliant they are on having four guys. The whole plan is built on being mm-hmm. a four-guy team. The other teams cannot hang with the amount of elite guys. You lose Tavares in the first round, and all of a sudden you can't go because you don't have one of the four. So it really kicks a leg out from from the chair that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. So that sucks. But yeah, to to the Macar point, you know, is is he one of the three best players in the league? If he, if I just sit here with a pen and go through the list, you know, you're doing McDavid, uh, McKinnon, Matthews, and Macar are in that top five somewhere with whoever else you want to smatter in there. He's in there for me for sure. Um, you know, although you know he's not a runaway for the Norris, I think just because you know there's defending as well, and Victor Hedman does that particularly well as well. But he's he's up there. I I wonder now if you're Mitch Marner, if you just for a split second just take a deep breath and go, why is this happening to me? <laughs> like when was like, could, can he recall, even from minor hockey, having probably a more frustrating season than this one? And, listen, I I make no bones about it. I, I'm a huge Mitch Marner fan. You guys have heard me say when this guy goes, I really believe he's the engine. Uh, but I, I have not seen it this year. There has to be a level of frustration. Uh, he is not having a good year. I don't believe for one second he's anywhere near his capabilities, mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering now if this is going to be one of those seasons where it's like, doesn't matter. All I got to do is just get ready for April here, because I, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to, to get myself on a consistent basis as of yet now. And maybe there's going to be stretches between here and April, but my season starts in April. There's nothing I can do in this regular season right now that could kind of save it you know well you know what kipper though he's a great example of how the goalposts move 
on expectations for a team and player because talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs this year, everyone said, I don't even care about the regular season. I'm not even going to watch them. doesn't even matter. All I, you know, bring, let's see what they Who do said in April. That? Everyone's, that? yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's been the whole thing. No one's even going to pay attention. And then they go out there, and they're one of the best teams in the league this year. They're otherworldly, and people go, whatever. Let's see if you can do it in April. Mitch Marner is the same thing, you know. No one care. I don't even care what Marner does in the regular season. But, Let's see if he can do it in playoffs. There's something and all wrong of a sudden, with, they care. But JB, they're, they're, when you watch him up until this point, and, uh, the injuries aside, he's just he's not himself right now. And yeah, we've known that he's had he struggled putting the puck in the net on the power play. But you know, is is it a hundred games or is it getting to a hundred games with no power it's p- uh, play? It's ninety eight. It's it's ninety eight. No, it's hundred. Isn't it 100? I thought it was. SN Betts tweeted 98 games to me the other day when I tweeted 100, so I don't know. Okay. Whatever it is, it's a crazy, stupid number, which should never, ever be that way. And he hit the goalpost on Wednesday, did he not, on the power play? Oh, yeah, great shot, too. Low glove. Yeah. And and, and the puck kicks out. Uh, I think uh, Smith got it uh, on on the back end. It just won't bounce for the guy. But it's. He can't have a guy of his stature go 100 games without a power play goal. It's just, no. it can't happen. Not when the UBK has played three games and has two. <laughs> I, I just wonder now if it's, you know, I'm, I joke around a lot, but I don't joke around. And I was one of those guys in, in junior where I got to get my cookies. These guys have to get their cookies. And I don't think he's cookie monster enough. If I joke around or, or I say that others are, are going after it, he's the opposite. He is, he's not selfish enough out there. And I think there's a level of pre- pre- uh, predictability right now that, that's hurt Mitch Marner. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. I definitely think on the power play, that's a huge part of it, is that, mm-hmm. you know, all the smoke and mirrors about this guy's going to develop a shot or whatever, it's it's never going to be that he's a shooting threat from there. So, yeah, that there is a, a, an element of the predictability there. But, Kipper, to your point about his effectiveness, like, just looking at his stats on the season, so looking at goals per 60 minutes of ice time, so just so to kind of regulate the amount of, you know, goals per game. Last year, he's at 1.16. This year, he's under a half, like 0.47. So he's way, way down in goals per 60. His, his total assist per 60 minutes, last few years, it's 2. It's 1.7. It's 1.9. He's barely over 1 this year. Like, his numbers are way, way down. You know, there is some things in the, his advanced numbers that show that it could be luck. His individual points percentage is one thing. He's way low in there. His um, shooting percentage is way down from his career average. He's been unlucky, but you're right. Something is definitely not right, and it's not just a matter of bad luck and, and unfortunate timing. And I, you know, you guys are talking about how he's been off, and I think he's looked a little off, and I think that's, I think that's a fair way to put it. He has what 21 points in 26 games or whatever I think so far yeah, this year. Yeah, not so- good. It's, but it all comes down to the money, right? And it all comes down to the salary cap and what he makes against that. And it's always, no matter what you okay, want, Sammy. it's always going to be measured okay. against that, okay. no matter that, what. That, that's the exter- that, that's that external pressure, and I, for I don't sure, ca- I that's don't what care fans about- think about. Though. Okay, but I, I don't care about that. What I care about now is that uh, the the team's got to address this, and this isn't just a Mitch issue. This is a this is a um, 
for me, it's a Mitch Austin Matthews issue as well. And whether it's the power play and JB, we just mentioned that word predictability, Mm -hmm. but there is a sense that every time uh, Mitch is out there, he's looking for Austin. Austin's the alpha dog. Austin's the guy that's going to shoot a thousand pucks to the net. And whether or not he's in tight or outside there, there's a sense of, we know what's going to happen here. And it's almost as if it's an automatic for Mitch that he's just going to go out there and look for, for Austin. I, I now really appreciate more watching Mitch and Austin together. I have a more of appreciation for Tavares and Elander that they have different looks and Tavares can be on the outside. He can also be three feet from the net. He could be behind the net. They look for each other. They both get pucks to the net, but they also can look for, for each other. And there's, there's less predictability when it comes to Tavares and Elander as there is with, Matthews and, and Marner from what I've seen when they've been together. Yeah. What's tough is that there's not, you know, given his wildly good skill set, there's not a natural power play spot for him because the flank is deadly, most deadly, when you're like Nikita Kucherov. And you saw the play he made to Braden Point last <sighs> night, that fake clapper backdoor. <laughs> the only reason that gets that is possible is Kucherov has that cute little cutter one-timer that just, you know, he's a he's an absolute weapon when he decides to hit that one-time shot. And the best flank players have both. Marner does not have one of the two options. He's not a net front guy. He's not a point. He's just, it's a, he's a great five-on-five player. You're one of the few best in the league. It's just tough on the power play to see how it fits. I don't know. I, you know, I said at the start of the year <laughs> to much uh, flack that I think he could probably be the guy on a PP2, have a great second unit and run it, and I don't know. Well, I've ne- is it a never coinc- looked at a power play game. But it's not a coincidence that their power play got red hot during the stretch when he was hurt, is it? I don't You know, it's one of those things, Sammy. It's just another piece of evidence that makes me go, I don't, you know, I don't know. Well, but he's, sure- he's got to start score. He's got to get goals. On, on the power play, he has to show a little bit of a threat there, or you know, there is a chance that that he will be bumped off. Well, and if you're the flank guy, you and the really think so, Kip? The... I do. Listen, a hundred a hundred games without a, a power play goal, he has to get his <laughs> he has to get his cookie. You know why that's yeah. extra crazy though, Kip? If the shot is coming from the other flank, Austin Matthews, what's the guy who? What's the other flank guy's job? It's that's to it. come down looking for rebounds. Mm-hmm. Like, you come off the weak side yeah. flank looking for what Matthews creates. He should get a shot on a, a Matthews rebound once a game. Yeah. Isn't that Tavares in there, though? Well, he's the net front tight guy, right? but the high rebounds that get kicked out, should there well, should be some around there's there. There's not well. enough. And, you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, I, I don't see uh, enough urgency out of the four other guys to help Mitch out a lot, to be honest with you. Like, they've got to be aware that this guy hasn't scored in 100 games. A power play That's goal. That's an interesting point. And, like, find him know, one if, and break the slump. Like, yeah, help him out a little bit here. <laughs> you know, you love him so much. He does so much for you. Like, help throw him a bone. Like, <laughs> it's, it's even Morgan Riley. Like, you know, yeah. Mor- Morgan, are you, which side are you, st- like, started on or help him end up with a puck every once in a while. But, you yeah. know, it's not like, like you guys, you guys are one of the best scoring teams in the league. Like look after each other, help him out. Yeah, more They're, focus uh, on 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 losing the monkey off his back. 
at this point, it is a serious gorilla. 30.1% on the power play. The Toronto Maple Leafs uh, just behind the Oilers and Blues, who are at 30.2, tied for first. So pretty good Blues. overall team unit. Anyways, uh, maybe it's maybe it's another a break for, for Mitch to kind of regroup. And so uh, five what about Peter Engvall's absence? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no He's, one's just no, up in arms there. Now Nick Ritchie finds himself back in the lineup. So <laughs> just when you think. You're out. Boy, we wasted 10 minutes yesterday, eh? They, <laughs> promise they, you, promise you, I'm betting Nick Ritchie to score tonight. They 100%. pull you back in. So, yeah. no, we didn't waste that conversation. That's uh, <laughs> That conversation needed to be said. He was, he's heading on the taxi squad, guys. We know that, right? Mm-hmm. That's, is that, that's is that, I honestly didn't know that, Kip. I, you know, I thought he might go to the Marlies and just so they keep him You know, th- there's always that option. I think, uh, well, Clifford, of course, I think has played, if I'm not mistaken, three or four games with the Marlies already. So yeah, he is on the taxi now, though. He, and, and that's, I think, Nick Ritchie's uh, place from here on in, uh, taxi squad guy. So he feels like a guy to me that is going to be, they know that he's not going to get claimed on waivers and come trade deadline, they're going to put him on waivers. No one is going to claim him. They'll put him on the taxi squad. Then they'll bring him back and they'll have a nice player who's not counting against the non-existent salary cap after the deadline. Doesn't that sound right to you? Yes. Sounds bang on. And that's great. If you got Nick Ritchie and you don't have to care what you're paying him, beautiful. But it's right all now, about it the hurts. depth. It's all about the depth. Earlier in the show, I teed up John Mitchell, Doug McLean, but I didn't say anything about our first guest because he stands alone, right? It's like uh, Tonight Show, Letterman. It's all about the first guest. The whole show is based on the first guest. If he bombs, we might as well go home. (laughs) But if he's good, well, then we'll get uh, subscribers and a high rate and review on our podcast. So let's welcome Colby Armstrong. <laughs> Hi, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, this is like uh, my big my big break, I guess. But I also, Kippy, I could say uh, maybe I'm just easily forgettable. I don't know. Maybe that's why. But I saw the tweet with who's on the show today. And, I mean, the lead off for Mitchie and Dougie. That's pretty good. I'll take it. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. So you feel good. Everything's yeah, good. good. You're, we we know you're in the Pittsburgh market. You cover the the Penguins. We're going to get into that amazing ten game run right now. But uh, the focus is on the Toronto Maple Leafs in Colorado, and I'm I'm sure you were looking forward to that game as as much as we were. Yeah. I. I what are you going to do? Right. Like. I, I don't know what to make of it, really. What are we at, 101 uh, postponements and, you know, all these different things happening and players missing with head-to-head matchups that were as expected. And, uh, you know, here here we are. So, yeah, it's, it's just it's, – it's a crazy year right now. And through it all, I think, you know, the players are doing the best that they can. And, um, you know, we got to see, uh, I think, was it – uh, you know, Colorado team that's exploding right now. And 
Toronto team that's exploding right now. So I think, uh, you know, two, two beasts uh, at this moment in time in the NHL. For sure. Hey, Colbs, the other day I saw a, uh, a feature on, on you and your career, which was really cool. Uh, your, your, your career with the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, most importantly, uh, I guess. Uh, t- <laughs> tell us a little bit how that, about how that came together. That was really cool to see what you've been through and how you're still such a part of the Penguins family like, all these years did, later. Did, did I miss something? Are you retiring it? Are you, was, that <laughs> no. your, was it your 1,000th show? I was like, did Colby like, die? Why, do, why am I... <laughs> Why am I getting a Colby Armstrong tribute? Like, what the hell have you done that you you need a tribute? I don't know. You know what? They have, obviously, they do a great job here. You know, most of the teams, I think the Penguins are are really good with their crew here on Penn's TV and all the stuff that they do in-house with their show in the room, um, you know, where they cover the Penguins in more in-depth inside the locker room, kind of like that. Amazon or HBO shows that they've done in previous years with other teams in the Leafs. Um, so they do that every year. And, and, you know, the guy just has been doing some profiles. I saw they just released one today, which was on the creation and birth of iceberg, the mascot, which followed the, you know, the great profile on Colby Armstrong, of course. Uh, but yeah, they're taking some time to put these things together. And I thought it was going to be like, you know, like a two minute, like, you know, quick uh, profile, but man, they, they dug into the archives of some of my old footage and clips and it was hilarious to see. I, I don't have much uh, for video footage and just because of the time and every, times, you know, it was 2001 when I got drafted, it was really cool for my kids to see me looking so young and, and skinny and, uh, <laughs> um, you know, go up on the stage at the draft and some of my old interviews and everything like that. So it was. They did a great job. It was. It was definitely over the top and 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 more than enough. But it was really kind. I got some really nice messages on social media from fans and people. So it was really cool. It just sounds to me like they had a meeting and they're like, "We're out of ideas." <laughs> oh, it was somebody. Great. Come on, Kipper. somebody, come up with something. Iceberg. Yeah, yeah. we need Colby. Cool we got to get clicks up here. Uh, what do you think? We just throw army on a, on a clip. Uh, let's do it. Yeah. Maybe it'll work. Yeah. Have we got, have, Sammy, if we got enough content from the real Kipper and Bourne show, we could do a reel or we could put something together. <laughs> let's get Sammy working. You guys Sammy. got anything? Sammy ain't even paying attention to me right now. <laughs> a lot of candy uh, crush. A, a lot of focus. Uh, Colby on uh, Makar. And we saw the three-on-three oh three goal, which we give him full credit on uh, skill de jour on that. But, you know, whether you watched a defenseman growing up or one that you competed and played against, uh, you know, anybody stand out as comparables or what you've seen so far? I, I think, I guess you could say what Eric Carlson was when he first started to come on the scene in Ottawa. Uh, oh, and like the way that. he was able to get up, get up ice and the way he was able to like, you know, he wasn't a big guy. He was slight, but he had like, he has like kangaroo legs, right? Like he's gone. Like if he gets a step on you and he was, he had that skating ability uh, really for a smaller defenseman that we, maybe the first we've seen a kind of that new age type of D man that we see now. And uh, yeah, but Bacar's like, it's crazy. It's like, is he doing I keep saying, is he doing something different that I don't know about? Like, this is like, he's in that realm of like, is there another planet or league that he should be playing in? Because for a defenseman, for him to look 
very similar with his skating and explosiveness, acceleration, and his hands, right? Like, he also has hands to go with. He's like a forward. He looks, he looks like McKinnon at times. Like, he absolutely looks like McKinnon and, uh, packaged up as this defenseman. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite unique, and I don't know if he's of our species, no, he's he's definitely next level. We've actually kicked around creating a Premier League for the NHL, where only ten teams can come, and he's invited. You're not, you won't be surprised to hear he gets to be a part of that. <laughs> yeah, um, we we were uh, talking about these great defensemen earlier, and I can't help but notice that old Chris Letang has 27 yeah. points in 29 games for the Pittsburgh Penguins this year, who have 10 straight wins. Uh, tell us a little bit, a bit about his resurgence and what that's done for a Penguins team that suddenly looks like one of the best teams in the Metro. Yeah, they're they're on a roll right now, and I, I I don't know. I think Chris Letang gets um, overlooked a lot in the in the you know big defense. He's kind of on the outside of the picture when he's ha- on a good year. Like when he's when he's having like a, a Norris type year, he's kind of like fourth or fifth or sixth in the voting. He never really gets the tout to be up there amongst you know the the names that you know we consider perennial Norris guys right now, um, but man does he he plays hard like the one thing i like he plays hard minutes like his conditioning and and uh the work that he puts in the summer is unbelievable i had a chance during the lockout to work out with him in montreal and the guy's an absolute machine like he's a beast like i was like well, why is he doing this you know i was like oh my god tone it down <laughs> buddy down. but he, yeah but he was like on another level and you can see he translates that right into his into his game though and he plays the same way like Top competition, top matchups, every situation, PK, power play, uh, four on four, overtime. They throw him in the He does everything. Shootout. He's like number two to go in the shootout every time. And he's just so darn valuable for how much minutes he can eat up and how hard he plays those minutes. Like he's not going out there for, you know, a, a floater, 28 minutes, ho-hum and easy, barely breaks a sweat. Like he, his is all his minutes are well-earned against high-end competition every single night and um you know hopefully he starts to get the recognition with the way the team's going right now at, at what he's been able to bring to this team for you know being one of those norris standout type defenders that can provide offense as well hey, colby uh, correct me if i'm making too big of a deal of this but i cannot recall covering a guy or even playing against where a, a guy can have such amazing uh offensive skills or, you know, just be dominant at times on the ice. And yet on other nights looks so lost in his yeah. own zone. And w- what is the difference? What is that happy place for Latang? Because when it is bad, it's really bad. Yeah, it is. And you know what? I, we haven't seen as much of that this year, like where it's, you know, he goes into a Funker has some of those games. He's been really consistently strong this year. And the only thing that I can say in watching him and I, I watch you know all their games I watch him all the time and he's uh, the only time he really gets into trouble is when he truly just tries to do too much um, and he has the energy for it he has the energy to try to cover for everyone on the ice defensively and it gets him you know running around at times and when he when he stays within himself and just plays rock solid moves pucks quick doesn't try to overdo it and try to do too much he is uh, he's unbelievable for this team, and he's a really good defender and good player in this league. So um, the consistency with that has been there this year where he's been really rock solid um, game in and game out, which has added to you know this Penn's team's 
you know, not only dealt with, you know, big time injuries to star players and key players, uh, but like everyone else, the COVID situation as well. And he's, he's been the one constant that's been there all year long and, and been rock solid. So if he stays within his game and he just keeps it fairly simple, his game takes care of itself because of the quality of minutes that he'll give for you. Looking at the guys who are making that difference for Pittsburgh, like dragging them to 10 straight wins. It's like, all right, Sid's back. He's over a point per game, and Brian Russ is doing his yeah. thing. But like, yeah, Rodriguez, man. Evan Rodriguez has a 15 and 15 uh, for 30 points in 33 games. Yeah. Like, wh- where does this guy come from? Are you buying it? Is he going to finish the year with 70 points this year? <laughs> he could. The way he looks right now, like confidence is oozing out of him. It's crazy. Like, when he's scoring goals, guys, he's 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 giving his fingers to the come on, come on, let me hear it crowd to the fans down here. Like he's like a yeah. orchestra conductor, you know. Like he is absolutely on fire right now with, um, you know, the he, like his whole bravado is just he, he always smiling, he's always feeling it, um, he's full of confidence to try things and and make plays. Uh, and I think he was, you know, given that opportunity to, to, to do that. It, it's crazy for me to look at like, let, you know, his, his career thus far. And when he hit the 10 goal mark a few games ago and go, that's a career year for this guy. Like, well, what the heck has he been doing? Where have you been? Mm-hmm. Like, what's you know, watching him? It's like, how is that even possible? Um, so I think due to injury and due to, you know, the way the season has gone for the Penguins, he's been given a, a really good opportunity as a coach in Mike Sullivan, who truly believes in him. And now, because of that, I think has made things quite interesting here with the Penguins with, you know, Kapanen, uh, the season that he's having thus far. I know Zucker, he just came back to Zucker with an injury. He's out for a little while and how these lines are going to shake out with Jeff Carter also coming back from COVID protocol and Evgeny Malkin. Does he end up in that top six? I think he's made a strong case to push some guys out of situations that you wouldn't otherwise think his name would be put in there, but Man, has he been? He's been good. He's been so good in so many areas that they've needed, due to missing key guys. And uh, uh, I'd say, to thus far, probably one of the best stories in the NHL. Oh, it's only going to get more interesting for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I'm I'm an idiot because for the last year and a half, I'm I'm saying that this, this is the they're year done, it was really. Okay? They're done. It, yeah. They're done. It's over. <laughs> Sid, yeah. you know, you can't. Sid's awesome, but it's not enough, and they're old, and they got to turn it over. And now they may – everybody's talking about the great year. The Last week, the Rangers – or not last week, the last few games, they're the number one team in the league, the New York Rangers, on on points. And yet I'm like, Rangers could be the wild card team, and Pitt could actually move up. And, and be more of a, a threat in the one, two, three in the Metro. So I'm wondering, Colby, now, you know, with this run of Pitt, does this put that much more pressure on Brian Burke and uh, and Ron Hextall to go out there and and really go for it here? Yeah, I I, I think it's going to be – well, I've always said that's the main the thing. Like, they, Kipper, you're not alone. Like, they caught me off guard this year, too. No Malkin, no Crosby, no Gensel to start the year. Yes, Gensel came back game two. Uh, they've been without Russ for an extended period of time. Uh, Carter, you know, he's had COVID twice here. Um, you know, they've had some regular issues, but to key players, and I was like, this could be the year that their playoff streak is snapped just because of the way it's set up and, you know, looking at the group and what's going to happen and expiring contracts and guys, where are they going to go? And, what you know, is all these thoughts. And now all of a sudden, you know, in the snap of a finger with the way they performed this year and getting through some of the tougher 
times with missing key guys, they've, you know, come out of this now with a 10 game win streak and they're about to add, you know, Evgeny Malkin back to their lineup, uh, Jeff Carter back to their lineup. It is crazy to, it's, I guess, I guess it's not crazy to think that they'd be in a position right now looking at this team and saying, yeah, they're a contender and saying, you know, what do we need? What do we need to do now to boost this team over the top? And I, I think the teams put themselves in that position, but they're playing a frustrating brand of hockey, like, right through top to bottom. Brock McGinn's been a massive pickup for them and, you know, losing kind of in the expansion draft. And they've just had a lot of guys really step in and, and solidify and, uh, you know, create identities for each line. That's been just so beneficial to them, uh, especially here in the last few weeks uh, and to months. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what Evgeny Malkin, if he can really truly put them in a position and have, you know, a second half of the season coming back off this knee surgery, like you'd, you'd hope. Cause I think Hextall and, and Berkey are going to have to look at it and go, Holy smokes. Did we just hit the lottery here? I think we did. We had a team that I think there's some question marks. What were we going to do? This could be just like one of those years though, where it comes together. Kobe, I'll take you back to the uh, the most important team in the NHL, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, um, <laughs> and again, do you have any thoughts on on their experience right now, playing in front of no fans? Like they're going to go out on the road a little bit, but like, I don't know if you watched any of the last two games they've had up here, but oh. it's been just such a bummer, man. Like, it, it, what do you think they're going through right now, trying to adjust to playing in front of no fans again? I think that sucks. What did Jack Campbell say? Or somebody said, it's nice to just play in front of fans or something like they want to get in front of the crowd and feel that again. And it just stinks to get back to that. Right. Like we did that. It just, you can see, and we can feel the difference once it got the playoffs and they started opening up some of the barns and letting people into the games down in the United States, comparatively to the, you know, what was happening in the division up in Canada. And it was just such a massive difference in, uh, emotion and excitement and just viewer, the feeling the viewer would get watching on TV too. So I think that's a tough situation for those guys to be put in. And I, uh, you can see why they're, you know, postponing games so they don't have to, you know, play in front of empty buildings and, you know, what they're going to try to get through some of these games if they can. But I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's tough to watch. It's, it's not as fun to watch. I, I, if I'm telling you, if I flip to a game, and there's no fans in the stands, I'm watching another game. It's just not – I just have no interest. Yeah, it's uh, – we, we felt it, uh, Edmonton and, yeah. and Toronto on Wednesday. And I, yep. we, had, um, we had Liam McHugh from TNT, and he, he said even throwing to the highlights, it's just like – it was kind of painful for, for everybody. Well, um, but the got good the news, soup man exploding with no fans in the barn. You got to get the soup man. The crowd wants to cheer for him. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, Soupy. it hasn't it hasn't affected Jack Campbell at all. And I thought Wednesday against Edmonton, there's a guy that uh, continues to do what he's done all season long. I, I I think the that's a winnable game for the Edmonton Oilers, except they're up against Jack Campbell. Yeah, and you know what? We talked about Rodriguez being one of the better stories. I think Jack Campbell and Rodriguez are, you know, right there for two of the best stories in the league this year of, you know, guys with, you know, potential. Uh, mind you, Campbell was a high draft pick and uh, Rodriguez wasn't. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, like two guys unexpected that have, you know, really risen to the challenge and thrown together consistent, massive 
impact style of hockey that has really benefited their teams. And, you know, Campbell's right there. It's a great story. His teammates love him. He's standing on his head. He's making saves when he had to. Who saw it coming? I don't know. I don't think I did, um, you know, with what he would be able to do and being kind of the backbone for this team. But, man, has he risen to the challenge. It's been a great story. He makes you want to cheer for him. And, uh, you know, is it going to be enough for these guys? Because we all know, right, boys? We all know it's that second season. It's the playoffs when it really matters and what the team's going to do. And I think, you know, that's where the pressure is on Campbell. And looking ahead, I guess we're looking too far. It's been great up to this point, though, with what Campbell's been able to do for the Leafs. What about staying on the goalie front? What about uh, Tristan Jari's story here? It's a pretty good one because oh, yeah. everybody just said uh, they, they they need a goalie. They need a goalie. They're on a ten game, you know, winning streak here. It's his net, but would yeah. you, if if you really think that Pittsburgh's as close as may, maybe people say now to maybe get to a conference final or a Stanley Cup final? Would would you go out there and maybe just get some reinforcement? Would you say your buddy, the flower, Marc-Andre Fleury, would you just pick him up at the trade deadline for a fraction of the cost if you can get Chicago to eat something and do you a favor? Yeah. Would you do that? Yeah, I would. I would do it if I could. We had room and the cap worked out and they ate enough money because, you know, we saw what happened last year in the playoffs and, and you know, the Smith was hurt. Um, uh, they had Legasse there, I believe, and they didn't want to go to him and they kept Jari in and Jari was coming off of, uh, I believe an injury as well and just wasn't himself. And it kind of snowballed into something terrible. And I think, you know, what I just said for Campbell in the playoffs, I think that goes for a little bit for Jari here as well. Like, yeah, he's had a good year, but fans are just going, Oh, I don't know. We'll see what happens in the playoffs just because, uh, you know, what happened to him last year. And, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're, if they're not looking at that. If they're, you know, considering, you know, bolstering, they have Louis Domingue here as, a, you know, kind of their third goalie in the rotation with Casey DeSmith and Jari. So I wouldn't be surprised if they are looking at possibly a, uh, you know, a true NHL veteran guy to come in and, and you know, kind of bolster um, the goaltending position for them. And, you know, we'll see if it can all fit. I know, you know, expiring contracts and I know Flurry's contracts up at the end of the year as well. And, uh, we'll see what they can do. It's always nice to throw his name out there, though, isn't it? Get, the, get all the Penguins fans all riled up here in Pittsburgh with a return of Mark Andre. Oh, get you yeah, riled they up. love it. I hey, like listen. He's a buddy of mine. I'd love to see him back here. Oh, I think Sid would love it as well. Hey, yeah, listen. The team would like it. He's a team guy. I really appreciate your time always on the show, and congratulations on your lifetime achievement tribute uh, video. Congrats um, on dying. Well, hey, well I earned. Whatever must have happened. Well hey, earned. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for the comments and clicks and favorites. We know those are important. I really appreciate <laughs> likes, it. Uh, likes. I would also like to say the likes. Yeah, I like the likes. Uh, I, I got a good quick story about Dougie, though. He gave me a hockey card for a buddy of his, of Sidney Crosby, like four years ago, Kippy, four years ago in studio, I finally got it signed and mailed off to him like two weeks ago. And he's been <laughs> hounding me for it for like four years. Okay. All right. Hold on. Hold on. There, there's, there's just yeah. a little, there's just a little piece of info you're forgetting. Okay. You, you lost it. You <laughs> no, lost I I the did. card. I thought I did. I, 
I actually started to hit up eBay because I thought I lost it. I found it. I actually <laughs> found it. I, no joke, found it, and I got him to sign it at NHL Media Day in Chicago. And, I like, right when he walked in the room, before I did that Sid Novi interview, I was like, Sid, you're signing this right now. This is over with. I found it. I was so fired up. So well, there you go, know. Dougie. You got hey. your card. We, we've got him coming up after the break. That's the first thing I'm going to ask him about yeah, uh, your hockey good. card that took you four years to get signed. Oh, he'll be sweating. He'll be sweating about that. Army, always fun with you, man. All right, miss you guys. Thanks, Colby buddy. Armstrong, Sportsnet, NHL analyst, former NHLer, all-around great guy. Yeah. He's a blast. He is a blast. I'm, you know, four years later to to honor the getting the signature done. Still, four years. It actually really sound it. It sounds like very Colby Armstrong because he's very you know casual, whatever. It didn't get done right away, but then yeah, good guy in the end. That's right. He's like the uh, uh, Royal Can- Canadian Mountain Police. Uh, they always get their guy right. It t- may take a while, <laughs> but they always get him. All right, That's Doug right. McLean from. Signed hockey cards from Sid to pickleball, yoga, ping pong. Who knows what's on his mind all after the break on Real Kipper and Born. What time is it in Florida? Are they on the same time we are? Because I, I think so. I think yes. it's Friday, which means um, yoga would have finished at 11 a.m., and then he breaks for lunch, and then he has um, a swim, and then either pickleball or a, a walk on the beach, one of the two. Let's ask Doug McLean. Hey. Which one is it this afternoon? Pickleball or a long Little walk off, on the I... beach with Jill? No, it was uh, yoga at 11, 11 to 12, quick lunch, and down for five pickleball games. Five. Um, Jill has decided uh, today she doesn't want to be my teammate anymore. I'm too competitive. <laughs> so I, I got to. So you stink. Be walking on. I, I told you what Jill told me when we're, we had a little argument there and I was walking along the beach and I phoned up and I said, honey, honey, you're not going to believe it. There's a thousand sharks down here and the helicopters were flying over top. And, you know, they were getting it back to the TV station. And all she said to me, she said, jump in. <laughs> that's my teammate that's my teammate they wouldn't you think the sharks would touch you <laughs> i don't know maybe not <laughs> one shark would look at the other one and say get that guy to shut up please <laughs> exactly hey let hey, me ask you up? something when you coached during the regular season and you found long stretches like the guys uh, throughout the league teams throughout the league where you're you're mixing and matching and you're pulling guys up from the uh the minors is that something that you just go might be a good thing down the stretch or is it just uh you know no this is horrible because I, I wonder, Mac, if, if it can kind of pay off for some teams when you've played with different guys and if you need to play with different guys, you got a lot more experience because of it than you would under nor- normal circumstances. To, to me, it's, it's a, a difference of, of good teams versus bad teams. For the good teams that aren't concerned about getting to the playoffs, it's okay. Your, your top guys are getting rested. 
You know, Matthews misses the odd game. Mariners missing games. You know, guys are missing games, and you're getting rest. And they're rested for the. I mean, oh, they're you know they've tested positive, which is obviously a very negative thing. But I, I still think it rest is what it's all about. If you think you have a chance for a playoff run, but for for bad teams, it's unbelievable aggravation. You're not good to begin with, and then you're calling guys up from the minors who are not as good as the guys you have that make you a bad team. So <laughs> I think for a guy like DJ Smith, this is unbelievably aggravating. For a guy like Barry Trotz, this is over the top because he expected to be a contender in the Metropolitan, and he's so far out of it now, he may not – I mean, the chance of him making the playoffs are getting slimmer by the day. So I think it's a really frustrating, frustrating time, not to mention how many games you're going to have to play in a shortened period of time unless they extend the season. It, I, I think it's an aggravation beyond comprehension. I can't imagine a GM and coach today getting these continuous reports of guys testing positive in another lineup. You think about Jared Gallant. He goes into what may be his biggest game of the year last night where you go back to play your old team and you want to just hammer them. And then he gets, I mean, Panarin's out and then he loses number one goalie. I mean, in the afternoon of the game. I mean, come on. It just is aggravation beyond aggravation. I think it would be anyway. Yeah, and it's one thing to be aggravated, you know, as a team that's, you know, a pretty good hockey team or doing well and you're having all these frustrations, but I can't help but think of the Oilers in this. And and how much do you think Ken Holland looks at the frustration they have that's COVID-related and has it affect his decision about his coach and not? Because I find it hard to believe. We're hearing noise around uh, Dave Tippett's job. I find it hard to believe that Ken Holland could watch this Oilers team playing without their stars and go, yeah, we need to fire the coach, just knowing how how shorthanded they are in the you know right now and going ahead for the next few games. Look, I, I would be if if I had anything to do with the Oilers organization, I would be dead against firing Dave Tippett right now, and I'll tell you why. And and Kippy and I talked about this before the season. You went into this season thinking you're a playoff Stanley Cup contender, and you went in with a 40, 39, 40 year old goaltender who has not been very good other than in short stretches. And you got Kazitsin, who has he ever been any good? I mean, seriously, tell me he's been good at one, some point. I mean, so (laughs) they don't have a chance to win with the way that team we've talked about the structure of this team for so long. I still don't care for their bottom six. Maybe it's a touch better, but it's not very good. Their bottom six. And their goaltending is not very good. And if they lose nurse, they're in big trouble in the back end. So how is this a contender? How do you fire your coach in this situation? Well, Vancouver did, and it's got them back in the race, but I don't see the same scenario. Mac, you've been a president uh, and a general manager of a NHL team. Uh, If you were in that position and you watched, Koskinen and, and Tippett over the course of what, 24, 48 hours and uh, the comments made by Tippett and then the accusation that I got thrown under the bus out of Koskinen. How would you have handled that, you know, behind the scenes? Well, I mean, I, I guess Tip says it was taken out of context. I, I would, I would have a conversation. I would have a conversation with Tippett about it. And, and then I would probably 
send Koskinen to the minors to try to get his head straightened out and figure out his game. That's probably what I'd do. That's, How's that's, that? If, that's if, punishment. If, Murray, if, a Stan, if a Stanley Cup winner, uh, Murray can go to the minors and try to figure it out, uh, why, why wouldn't you try to send Koskinen down? Send the goalie coaches with him. they got about five goalie coaches each team now. Send them all down there and, and let them figure it out and, then, and put Skinner in and, and run with it. Can't be any worse. No, and I, I had a buddy tell me that I think the Oilers have had the same goalie coach since 2014 or something. That guy's got to have, I don't know, some insight on, uh, you know, he's got some pictures or something. Um, and I, who's who? did they mention who his therapist was at the same time? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They should. I don't know. I, the, uh, oh, my God. Just, oh, yeah. just a footnote, uh, and I hear uh, Nugent Hawkins. Hey, here, here's the thing. Just just one thing before we go yeah. away and go I, I used to, when I was coaching Florida, Billy Smith was my goalie coach, eh? And and Bill, we'd have a bad game, our goalies, and I'd yell at Billy. And Billy would say, don't yell at me. I wasn't in the damn net. Yell at the damn goalies. So that's the, situ- <laughs> that's the situation. Billy Smith, he <laughs> loved to charge out of those coach. goalies. He was a beauty. It, um, it doesn't. It doesn't sound it's getting any better, at least on uh, uh, Nugent Hopkins might, I hear, be out another two or three weeks wow. here. And, and they cannot afford to lose a guy that's a solid two-way guy, a, a valuable guy that doesn't get a whole lot of credit. I know he's a first top pick and everything, but still, he's a, he's a with the thinness they have throughout their lineup, he's a pretty important guy. He is for sure. So he's played for, I want to say, eight coaches uh, while he's been an Edmonton Oiler. I, I can't help but think of coaches and potential guys they may they talked about hiring. I heard Babcock's name come up, were Tippett to be let go. A question for you is just why did GMs always hire guys uh, who've been through it before? And I know experience is important, but what's your take on the value of having been a head coach before versus giving some new guy a trial run who's been in the American League or an assistant? You know, it's funny. I, when I hired Hitchcock in, in Columbus, I, I, it was down to Al Murray and, and Ken Hitchcock. And, and I'll never forget my owner. Tell, we, I went to meet with my owner with Jim Clark and Don Boyd. I said, look, I, I'd really like to hire Hitchcock. The owner uh, looked at me and said, I, I, I would hire the other guy. He said that twice to me. He said I should hire Tippett over Dave King in the original year. And he said that again. You should Because he met with both of them. He said, I'd hire the other guy. So I hired Hitchcock, and I said, the reason I'm hiring Hitchcock is because he's won a Stanley Cup, and we've got a lot of pressure in our marketplace, and we really need some credibility in the coaching position. That's why guys go to veterans. Then after I hired Hitchcock, I read for two years in the Columbus Papers that I was made to hire Hitchcock, that the owner forced me to hire Hitchcock. And I thought, oh, my God, will you guys give it a rest? But anyway, that's why they do it. And Babcock, but Kenny... Kenny was glad to go by Babcock in Detroit. Let's not kid ourselves. He was glad to go by Babcock at that particular time. Kenny's at the end of his career. Kenny is not looking for aggravation. Do we really think he would go there? Because that would be aggravation for Ken Holland. <laughs> Mac, Am you, I wrong in that? But yeah, but at the same time, as, as you just as, alluded as to... Kippy, as Kippy said to me last night, you can't, you, you wouldn't say that, would you? I said, Kippy, I can say anything I want now. I don't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't get fired from pickleball, and I, and they won't throw me out of yoga. Could it, uh, could, could it be a, an ownership decision here to put pressure on 
they have to make the playoffs, Mac. Not an option. They have to make the playoffs. And, I mean, you look at who's out there, and it's Babcock and Paul Maurice and, and a handful of those type of guys. And, I mean, I, you're 100% right. That's the pressure on the GM at this particular time because if they don't make the playoffs, this is a disaster. And you can only blame Peter Shirelli for how much longer can they blame Peter? He's been gone, what, five years now? I mean, four years? I don't know. But, I mean, they're, you're right. There is a ton of pressure, and that may force them to make a change. I don't think Tippett should be fired, but sometimes it gets to a point of no return. I want to talk to you about the NHL standings, and here we are. It's early January, but I get I get the divisions, and I get saving money and short trips in a in a perfect world, but it's starting to shape up already on some of the matchups. Can you see some of the matchups already? And would there be behind the scenes screaming of we, why do we have to, why are we playing so hard and finishing third in the division to only play the first place team? Like there's going to be good teams out of the first round. We can see that already. Well, I, I mean, look, you, you think about Tampa, Toronto and Florida, like you better finish in first place. In that in that division, you better finish in first because if not, you're playing. Uh, you're one one of a very good three teams is going to be knocked out in the first round, and we know what happens when that happens. Can you imagine if Toronto play Florida in the first round, or Toronto play Tampa in the first round, and they happen to lose after having an exceptional season where they played very well, or Tampa losing, or Florida losing? And then you look at uh, New York Rangers, have a great season. If they finish in the top third, they could play Washington Capitals in the first round because I think Carolina finishes first. And, you know, it's and unless Pittsburgh can slide into the top three with the way they're playing, that's possible. It's, it, I, I, don't, I hate this. I hate it beyond comprehension that we've got that situation staring at us in the first round. I know it's great hockey in the first round, but, man, to lose – a top three team in a conference is a joke to me. No, I, I, I just don't more. get it. JB, we're, we're, we'd, take, we'd take the Leafs over Florida, wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is well, a Leafs show, what? so I'll it might push you. me over the edge. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what's going on. They're nervous in, in Florida about their goaltending. Uh, Knight well, not, has yeah. had a drop I'm not joking. I'm big. not joking. And, no, I, no. I would... and Bobrovsky has never got it done, so... It's hey, going to be really interesting where they are. That's why, uh, no kidding, I would take the Leafs over Florida right now just because of Jack Campbell over Bobrovsky. Yeah. I also and, know and they, look, they I, don't I, like funny. their D that much. Go ahead. Yeah, they're they're looking to add this. This is the chicken thing here, boys. It's it's funny. I, I had a great conversation. I was at the deal, car dealership yesterday dropping a car off, and I run into – and this guy, I got. We both have our masks on. This guy goes, "Hey, dog, how you doing?" I look. Who's this big guy yelling at me? And I, I look again, and he's got his mask off. And I said, "Well, take your mask off. You're going to yell at me." And he takes it off, and Teddy Jovanovski. So anyway, we had a great <laughs> chat. We had a great chat. So you know, I mean, Chickren is a guy, and obviously he loves Chickren because his his broadcast partner is Jeff Chickren. But this kid is out there, and he's had a great cap hit. And I'm telling you. The teams should be lined up. The teams that need top four defensemen. And he's a guy that slides into the top four. 
They don't like we, their depth of their blue line, but they like their top four in Florida. Yeah, yeah. We we linked Florida in with Chikrin. Yeah, yeah. yeah it mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. The you know, so looking at the regular season, how much do you how much stock do you place in how the Leafs do in this division this year? I understand. I don't mean for playoff seeding so much as. Is it important for you to see this team be exceptional and win the division to really feel differently about them? Or is just getting in good enough and, and then you kind of go from there? I obviously worry about them uh, in the first round against those great teams, but it seems to me that they're playing great and no one seems to care because they're waiting for April. That's And that's what happens when you lose a round the year before when you shouldn't have lost. You know, it, they the pressure on them is going to be over the top when they start the series against whoever it is. It, it's unfair. I think they're going to have a regular I could care less where they finish. I just, I just think they've got to, I think the trade deadline is going to be unbelievably critical for them. I'm still not sold on Morassic. Obviously I'm not sold on their total blue line. If you get into a playoff situation where you need depth on the back end, and you love their forward group, but none of them, none of them have got it done at playoff time other than John Tavares when he was with the Islanders. I, I, there's lots of questions. You know, when you're going against a seasoned team like Tampa Bay, not so much Florida, but they got some, they got some firepower. I, 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 I'd be nervous. Nick loves Campbell. I love Campbell's game right now, but the guys had no playoff experience, boys. Yeah, that's a, that's a valid point. Uh, no question, but... You know, to to JB's point, Mac. You know, the Leafs have played 32 games, and I can't recall much more than a handful of games where they've been really challenged physically, mentally, and emotionally. You know, here here's the greatest quote of all time in sports. Bill Belichick says, "Talent is the floor, character is the ceiling on your team." Character, talent is the floor, character is your ceiling. That's what it's all about. The character guys come out of playoff time. The talent guys, you desperately need them. But that's that's the Bill Belichick philosophy. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, he's had some success. Yeah, he's done okay for himself. Um, what are your thoughts on Nick Ritchie getting waived and now kind of being a part of the team and his experience with the Leafs this year? Been uh, been a strange roller coaster, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a disappointing run. You know, uh, you saw him in Anaheim as a top young pick, and you had heard rumblings about his conditioning. You were always a little worried what he was going to be. He was okay. He was up and down in Anaheim. I watched him a lot in Boston. He was up and down in Boston. A bit of a surprise pickup for me, but uh, Kyle, Kyle Dubas has did a good job of plugging holes with his third line. Um, you know, Richie just hasn't been a fit. He's one of the few he's one of the few bad pickups that Kyle made, you know, and, and if you only have one, you've had a hell of a run as a, as a GM in the off season. It's for me, Mac, you, you can take a chance. It's why the extra year and that's, that's Duncan Keith, Duncan Keith picks up uh, in Edmonton, Ken Holland. He's at next year at five, six, if I'm not mistaken. And it's that extra year that will put the handcuffs on you. And I, I get it. It's maybe, maybe it's just the fact that Kyle knows as much as anybody, maybe that uh, if he doesn't win this year, he doesn't get out of the first round. It, it, it won't, that, that extra mat, 
that extra year won't matter to him. But no, yeah, exactly. And that you know what happens? You get in that grind when you're a GM, and I've been in it before, where you know that in the, the agents come at you and say, "Hey, if you give us the extra year." We'll, we'll do it right now. And you say, okay, I, I got to get this done. I need depth. I need a guy that may be able to come in and play with my top guys. He's a big body guy that may show up at playoff time. And you just do it. That, that's what happens. You just, at the end, you throw in the talent. I got to get this done. Probably was a little bit of competition for him. Not much, but probably there was. And you just get it done. We've gone about a minute. So you got another one, JB? Uh, well, you know, I, I guess I was just curious about um... – you know how much general managers would care about fans and entertaining product, putting an entertaining product on the ice for for ownership. How much are GMs involved? How much do you care about the team making money? I'm asking because I'm seeing the Leafs play in front of nobody, and I'm wondering if Kyle Dubas actually cares about that kind of thing. You, 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 no, Kyle, you, you know who you're asking, <laughs> eh, about money. Kyle, Kyle Dubas, yeah, Kyle Dubas could care less about playing in front of anybody. But I'll tell you what. Eugene Melnick does care about it, and so does right. Jerry Jacobs and a few and, and Montreal Canadiens. Listen, what is it about the one of the biggest pressure I, pressures I face as a GM? And granted, I was I only coached an expansion team, and I only general managed an expansion team in my career. But I'll tell you what: every time I met with the owner before he fell asleep at the at the lunch table because he was an older guy, we always talked about <laughs> the finances. It was always a big issue. It was always a big issue. So don't ever kid yourself. I don't know if today's G, I was president too, so maybe that's a little different. But the finances were a critical part of every discussion. Not to mention the owner's accountant who drove me batty. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) How's the RV? How's the Porsche? Everything's good, though, other than, uh, you know, is there a reason why you're in the dealership? Yeah, I just took the Mercedes, the, the RV, and it's, a, it's one of those Mercedes Sprinters, so I took it in to get it. I uh, had a couple of little recall things, and, of course, Eddie was at the Mercedes dealer. This is a typical player. Eddie was at the Mercedes dealer looking to buy a Mercedes for his 16-year-old uh, twins. He, he said they're going to share it. I said, Eddie, they're not going to share it. you got to get two of them. <laughs> <laughs> JB and I want to come back as you in our next yeah. life. Sounds decent. <laughs> No, it's okay. It's okay. It's not that so, bad. But I miss you guys. I miss you guys a lot. I miss, you know, I mean, I get to see Bourne every once in a while on TV, you know, uh, on those movies. But I, I you know, I don't uh, I, I don't see Nick a lot. And I don't hear from you very often unless you're desperate for a guest. <laughs> That's Jason Bourne, you dummy. Okay. Yeah. I am a well-compensated individual between those movies hey. and this job, let me tell you. Hey, Bobby Bobby Bourne was one of my favorite players when I was a kid. How old oh, is that's Bobby? Cool. 67. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at same, you believe that we're the same age? Unbelievable. Teammates. He, he was one of my favorite players. He really that's was. Awesome. Anyway. Well, well listen, I would share. Have I, was invited, I was invited to the Islanders training camp in 1970, I think, too. And I probably would have met him if I would have gone to camp, but I, I would have only been there a few days. I would have had to get to know him early. <laughs> was that was that uh, the year after John Wensick beat the out of you? Yeah, that was a couple years after that. Yeah, years. <laughs> Good to get the timeline straight, Kip. Way to go. All right, listen. Share the pickleball with, with Jill, okay? Share it. 
as I said to her, there's two of us here, honey, let the odd one come to me. And then she thought I was coaching, you know. So anyway, <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. It's really a really treat to get on with you. Enjoy the 80-degree weather. <laughs> thanks, Doug. Doug McLean, everybody. Take care. God, he, 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 he just can – he'll take it anywhere he wants it. Hey. Well, I, I'm impressed that uh, his wife's been p- playing pickleball with him for for that long. If he's that competitive, he got her to stick around for quite a while. Guess that's over yep. though for him. That's too he bad. Did. All right, let's take a quick break here. We got John Mitchell. We're gonna go back and tee up the Leafs and the Abs Saturday night. That and more. Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.